it's another episode of what a beautiful podcast Halloween edition. I'm so scared Jack O'Lantern and it's me the undead zombie version of Andy (laughs) (laughs) that bit lasted approximately two seconds (laughs) I I appreciate your effort (laughs) I, I can't I definitely can't uh can't hold the bit on that one but welcome no, to I, w- what a beautiful podcast and this is gonna go the, the these episodes go up on wednesday so it's gonna be kind of weird but we're recording this on halloween so this is gonna be an extra day. spooky what a beautiful podcast and also we're on our 20th episode for 20 weeks we have done this yeah i've gotten this up every wednesday for 20 weeks god bless you andrew god has already blessed me me, jack oh yeah oh you're you're a blessed boy um (laughs) because if it were up to me god i don't (laughs) think i would have just gotten bored like episode three and just like went outside or something (laughs) what does that say about me probably nothing good but because we're in the hands of beautiful boy Andrew and his editing skills, we are still here and still able to give you the content you crave. The content everybody oh. craves. And with that, let's talk about Battle Tendency. Yeah. <laughs> so we're uh, knee-deep in the conflict, the ultimate battle with Wamu, your friend, my friend, everyone's Wamu. friend. He's the best friend to all people that aren't humans. <laughs> and um, so, where we're picking up on chapter 103, Wham is not doing so good. Uh, the steel ball was charged with the ripple, and the wound was starting to melt. Smirking the smile of a jack-o'-lantern. How timely. Oh my god, it's perfect. We were going to do this chapter last week, but we didn't because now it's Halloween. We did this on purpose. And this is me. No, this is this is only going to be because there's another pumpkin reference in the, like the coming chapters. And it was just like, oh, damn, that's cool. Um, But yeah, pumpkins and huge, ghosts like, and other spooky things <laughs> like vampires. No surprise. Could be vamp- <laughs> surprise. Vampires are spooky. Um, And I guess vampire horses as well. But. Where we last last left Joey Joester, um, he just put a hole in Wham using a very tricky uh, crossbow stunt, and looks like he's gonna win this fight. And he he jumps off from I think he was on a horse. He jumps off and gives Wham a good old punch. And I'm really not too sure how Wham flips backwards after Joey punches him into the ground. But you know what? <laughs> not gonna worry about that, Andrew. Not no, worry about that at all. especially how we're not going to worry about how uh, Wham grows three times the size and hovers over Joey and doing this. His legs all, con- you know, this is why we just really got to stop worrying about these things. Yeah, we stopped worrying about him. He's doing a sick uh, Street Fighter kick here. Yeah. Uh, he used his Ant-Man powers to grow three times as big. And <laughs> here we are. But Joey rebuffs them with an aptly named Rebuff Overdrive. Which, but he puts his elbows right in his, in his calves. Yeah, like, it's a nice calf strike. 
and <laughs> Wham just eats the dirt so hard. Um, and Joey realizes, like, what happened to Wham's arms? Like, they were kind of all, like, drippy before because the Holy Sandstorm bit. Um, but now they're kind of just gone and end in bloody stumps. And he's really confused about it. He's like, where, where did his arms go? What, is, what happened here? Well, not <laughs> paying attention to the location of the arms is about to come haunt Mr. Joey. Oh, it's the ghost of Lamb's arms. Oh! <laughs> Except they're actually Lamb's arms and they come out from the hole in his chest because he's a gross, nasty boy. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, like Lisa Lisa comes in here for a panel to help explain this because it's bonkers. His, his arms, he tore his wounded arms off and threw them through the hole in his chest. Which, fine, you know what? I it's Halloween, it's a new month tomorrow. Like, let's let's just let it live, let's let it lie here. And it's like, okay, Wham did do this because he's Wham. <laughs> Oh man! So the like the arms just jettison out of uh, Wham's jack o' lantern hole, his jack hole, <laughs> his and, jack hole. Uh, start, <laughs> yeah. Wham has a jack hole now, um, and starts strangling Joey so he can't use the ripple, and he's pinned against uh, this giant bonfire that we've seen like so often before, and Wham, almost defeated unleashes his final ultimate attack the final this is the this is the neck like the second time that wham has been on the brink (laughs) of death but comes back with some fucked up move that that's out of nowhere and it's just like ha i got you yeah wham works best Uh, when he's literally about to die yeah first time was like why do i need eyes i don't need eyes to see you and now it's just Check out these gross tubes in my chest. (laughs) (laughs) Because Wham literally grows tubes out of his chest and uh, starts sucking in all of the air around him and starts and just spurts it out of like his head hole, um, carving up the rock around Joey. Now he can't really sense Joey because he's near the flames. But it, he thinks that if he cuts long and hard enough, he'll find him. But uh, <laughs> what, what's what's uh, what's happening to Wham here when he does this uh, this ultimate technique? His body what? just like is like really just deteriorating. It's kind of like you ever play the board game Concentration? Yeah, it's like that. It's kind of like it's like that when the timer runs out and all the little pieces uh, just pop. Like that's what happen that's what's happening to Wham right now, except the pieces are parts of his body. Just <laughs> And pop, and Cars pop. is just so concerned. He's just like, like oh, What are you doing? Are you doing this, man? this is stupid. You cause he can't he can't hold this technique for long because like his body's just like, nah, nah man, I'm done here. I'm done. Um So Wham's wind scalpel is getting real close to Joey's head. But Joey has one more trick. One more trick. Uh, he's, he's got, got his weird bomb. Weird oil flask. Well, okay. I, I'm fine with this because it's already been established that he's had, like, he's an oily boy and has just oil on him to, like, conduct Well, it's part ripple. of his tricks. Yeah, fine. So he's just had this. And he lights it up. Um, 
and goes to throw it at Wham just as Wham realizes where Joey is. But of course, Wham senses it, slices it, and like it splatters uselessly to the ground. It's like no, no way, no help. Except uh, Joey has lit uh, his bandana on his headband on fire, Caesar's headband, and then tosses it at Wham. This flaming bandana from his dead friend and the the sequence of events here is it's cool but like wow yeah just wow because the shot of this panel of wham's body just exploding is just because what's basically happening is wham accidentally sucks in the fire which causes uh, an explosion Mm -hmm. inside of him because he's in in sucking up all the air around him he's also sucked up the aerosolized oil from the from the uh the molotov cocktail basically that joey threw and what happens when you add heat and pressure in the same thing you get a bomb so as soon as wham sucked in uh that fiery bandana uh he blows up real good it's such (laughs) like wham's face as like his head goes one way his back goes another and then just his bottom two-thirds flumps to the ground is just one of resignation yeah his body is like shattering like rocks it's well makes sense he he he's a rock human he's a rock true no wait that's part uh, he's still a rock man he's He's he comes from a rock yeah he he like my thing is that they were all aliens that came down from meteors and they landed on Earth and that's who, what they are. That's still my thing. Jack, but, once again, regurgitating his headcanon for all you to hear. That, yeah, it's it's my headcanon and it's the best headcanon. So, <laughs> Wham can now uh, go to Halloween parties as not only the headless horseman, but like the armless and chestless horseman. Or he, he can, can just go as the head. He can go as the headless horseman's head. You oh can be like, God. "I am the dismembered head that once belonged to the headless horseman." Or you could do a great the thing cosplay and just be that weird head spider from the, the autopsy scene. Yeah. <laughs> oh, just like all crunching, jiggling, jogging. Yeah. Oh um, God, I've only seen that movie once. Yeah. That was one more time that I ever yeah. needed to see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely that that just checks all your bad boxes oh um, does it ever so chapter 104 the warrior returning to the wind uh the opening page is just super cool whoever did the coloring on wham's head just splitting down the middle from like ripple aftershock uh it just deserves a medal because it's beautiful mm-hmm. like oh god and while this is happening, all the shitty vampires are just like, what? Wham, Wham died? What? Wham's dead! Yeah. Wham, Wham is dying. And as his head... Uh, head is the only part of him still, still around besides the arms that have now slackened their grip around Joey's throat. Um, and Lisa Lisa advises him to finish him off with the ripple and just, like, do it. Just kill him. And that's not what joey joestar does what is like he does something surprising i guess not too surprising in hindsight but surprising up till this point 
and that's to not kill Wham immediately, but to give Wham some of his blood so that the pain of the ripple wound is lessened somewhat. And what do you think about this whole exchange? Because, like, that it really shows, like, a depth of character for Joey that we haven't seen up to this point, I feel. Unless well, unless... it shows a lot about Joey, and it shows a lot about Wham, and how, like, again, that Wham is really more of an anti, like, a, like, eh, kind of like not shadow the hedgehog yeah like he's shadow the hedgehog yeah. where it's just like <laughs> yeah joey doesn't really hate wham and wham no. doesn't really hate joey but they're two on they opposite friends yeah they're two on two opposite ideological spectrums here and something's gonna have to give but there is an unspoken respect going on here yeah because like um, wham totally changed... killed joey's friend but like but like joey kind of gets it i think Oh yeah, Joey understands. He he's he's good. And this whole exchange here, like I'm I can't do it justice, but uh Joey's line, I cannot fix your wounds, but I can at least ease your pain with my blood as you die. And Wham thinks that Joey's pitying him, but the I'm just all read pity. Did you say pity? So why was it that you didn't pop the bubble that contained Caesar's bandana with the ring with the antidote? Was it pity? It, it was because that man was a proud warrior. It was my way of paying my respects to him. Huh? Could it be, Jojo? He ex exclaimed surprised. Could it be? It's, that's right, Wham. This fight is separate from my grief for Caesar. It, it's just, oh, man. Yeah, I, it's really, really good. It, it's, it's great dialogue here. Um, and Wham's smiling at this point. He's just a he slowly dissolving head. And it's just, I've been bested. It seems you are the more honorable warrior than I was. And all these shitty vampires try to jump in and, like, ruin this beautiful moment between these two warriors. And <laughs> Wham loads his head into the crossbow and <laughs> fires himself at all of the vampires and kills them. And it's... It, it just like one last ridiculous move. <laughs> oh yeah, one last ridiculous move right before we get all super serious again. Um, and like Wham just unicorn horns all these vampires to dust. It's incredible, and especially the one panel where his horn just like drills right into an eye socket, and then it pops off because like. He's had too much. Like, the ripple is just getting to him. And one last thing that he requests is Joey takes the antidote from his ring. And as he does that, Wham slowly disintegrates into dust and is carried off by the wind. And to pay homage to this fallen warrior, Joey Joestar salutes silently as the wind comes and takes Wham's ashes away. It's 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 a very beautiful moment. Just poof. a beautiful moment that is immediately ruined oh, by God. cars, <laughs> because cars is now the last pillar man, and now he has to be the biggest shit stain in the entire world. <laughs> yeah, because cars like likes and respected Wham, but now that Wham's gone, cars is just not gonna put up with that bullshit. Cars is just like oh, God. 
Karza's like, I am here to do what I got to do. I don't care about pride. I don't care about honor. It's all nonsense. I'm just going to murder the shit out of you. Oh, yeah. And that's basically his character for the rest of the manga, which is approximately ten chapters, everybody. We're, we're almost at the end. Oh, yeah. No, it's nine chapters. Jesus Christ. Um, so... <laughs> Wham just uh, sucks the life out of a couple vampires right near him. And then he lets his hair down some. Let's um. What are some words to describe Wham's hair situation? Because this is the first time we've seen it. Yeah. So it, it's very flowing, and it looks. Oh, it it, it looks like mm-hmm. veins. I don't know. It's gross. Yeah, I was kind of like. Like sludgy tar, from yeah. like a chemical processing plant, but like a bad one <laughs> but this page sure is cool him just posing oh it's oh it's dope you have the cards sas right yep and this is yeah. the way he's presented in the sas yeah it's he you get oh, the man. head with him in like the turban thing but like mm-hmm. this is the way he's meant to this... be seen yeah he almost fully nude blades, right? what oh yeah he's he comes with the arm blades right yeah, he comes with the arm blades. But the SAS okay, is actually what? even more nude than this picture. <laughs> That's right, it is. The SAS is, like, pretty much completely nude. He's got, like, a loincloth, and that's it. <laughs> so on a, a sliding scale of nudeness, Wham, I mean, Cars is, like, a 10. And yeah. And like... <laughs> 10 out of 10, would nude again. Oh, man. <laughs> Which brings us to chapter 105, Treachery at the Temple of Sacrifice. Ah, spooky. Ah. Yeah. This is a really good cover. We got some Joey with his hats, his ta- patented hats. And then... Oh, Car- his, pa- his, his hat stack TM. Yep, and then Cars standing with his back and looking very nude. And very cool, very oh. cool stuff, but... It's time for the prescribed battle between Lisa Lisa and Cars to happen. So now we can see who the real Hamon Master is. <laughs> Maybe it's Lisa Lisa. Maybe it's not. But <laughs> we come to... You see, like, I love this group of vampires, like, on the, the first uh, or the second page. Just, like, this one with a random flat top. It's just, Araki had some fun with these guys. Just kind of, like, making randos to be killed immediately. Ugh. Because they're like, Master Cars, don't go to the trouble of fighting alone. Fuck rules. We better take care of kicking the shit out of them. (laughs) And Joey's just, so you want to fight, assholes? (laughs) I'm almost dead, but I could still fight you. Because, remember, Joey, at this point, has taken several direct hits avoided a holy sandstorm and took a steel ball to the ribs (laughs) he is not doing great yeah Mm -hmm. but lisa lisa is just fine so she's in prime mode to be kicking some vampire rock man ass yeah because she's like yo if your lackeys keep this shit up i'm just gonna break this stone and then we're all sons of bitches because yeah (laughs) who knows what's gonna happen um and Cars tr- puts on a honorable face, like I, 
one-on-one fight, I never intended to break my promise. That's why I untied my headdress and showed my antennas. Thanks, I guess. <laughs> Is that what those are? I guess. Oh. Yeah. And the nice little uh, square with him turning around and suddenly the three vampires next to him are just like... Two of them are in half and then one, the third one's head just like pops off and says, hmm? <laughs> it's very funny. Um, but Lisa Lisa and Cars are going to fight in a new arena, which is conveniently right next to the Chariot Race Arena. And it kind of looks like a jungle gym yeah. made out of stone. It and looks like a really bad place to have a fight. Oh, yeah. And it turns out that it will be. Um, and Joey Joey has a brief thing with Lisa Lisa. It's like, Lisa Lisa, even though you're gifted, you're a woman. He looks less strong than Wham. I'll deal with him because I have a warped sense of what being a man is because I'm Joey <laughs> Joestar. <laughs> and Lisa Lisa, to her damn credit, it's like, no way. I've been through so much in my life that I refuse to hide behind a kid who's not even in his 20s yet. <laughs> God. Joey's face is just like, that's some woman in her 50s. Joey means Perfect. well. <laughs> yeah. O- older Joey, not right so things. much, but younger Joey definitely means well. <laughs> older Joseph Joestar doesn't give a fuck. O- older Joseph Joestar was a straight-up fucking bigot. <laughs> he's the worst. Oh, yeah, he's a bigot philanderer, just like, okay. <laughs> I guess that's fine, you old, <laughs> you old man. Um... <laughs> And Lisa Lisa and Cars begin to fight. Cars offers a weapon to her, but she's like, I got my scarf. That's more than enough to fight you. It's made out of beetle asses. That's great. <laughs> it's, I mean, that's that's what it is. Um, and then he licks one of his arm blades seductively um, for an erotically charged fight about to happen, which is pretty much Cars' MO at this point, because now he's mm-hmm. just fully nude. Um Lisa Lisa thinks it's weird because uh, she doesn't feel any kind of uh, fighting spirit from him, like no aggressiveness. And then he just like disappears and then reappears because sh- he slurped back into a column and then comes back out ready to attack. Then, but Lisa Lisa's like <laughs> uses snake muffler. Which I really like, just to interject real quick, I really like Cars' face in this panel with bright saber mode, like... <laughs> just, eh. <laughs> he burst out of a pillar. <laughs> Joey's poor bit-crushed face here. Yeah. He's got an inch of space to work with, and he does not make use of any of it. Yeah, what the hell is Snake Muffler? Is that Lisa Lisa's move? I guess, I mean, it's her one move that she gets to use in this. Thanks, Rocky. Um, yeah, because she too bad. She gets fucked up real bad. Yeah, because um, she uses the scarf su- successfully and just ripples the fuck out of cards. Or does she? Because now he re- appears behind her and stabs her through the goddamn chest. Yeah, like, because... I know Joey is the protagonist here and, like, he's the one that's got to beat cars and everything, but man, I really wish she could have at least had. A longer chance to get him good yeah like like one good hit but it turns out that the cars lisa lisa was fighting 
wasn't cars and was just like a vampire kind of i guess morphed to look like him it's weird who cares and because cars doesn't give a shit about honor or anything he just wants the stone and will kill anybody and anything to get it which is a big part of why i think he's a, a way more convincing villain than like many many other bad guys in fiction like cars like actually gets things done Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. he's a man on a mission and he doesn't fuck around yeah he just stabbed lisa lisa the goddamn back he's got the stone now and he tells other vampires just kill joey and (laughs) joey's like face because this is colored differently than the other color chapters for some reason kind of yeah. looks more richard scary-esque um but his lips just like neither cars you're gonna pray for this just kind of kind of sylvester stallone in it here i don't know um but yeah and I, and I think that's a good place to cut chap- off for this week. yeah that's a good place to stop because we got a nice new segment for you uh for halloween halloween next- and i don't really know if i'd call it a new segment so much as a bit that we just want to we just want to go off on a little tangent yeah. here in in spirit yeah, of the season in there in the season of spirit but next week we'll see you at the link between lisa lisa and jojo so i don't know if we'll be look, able to finish battle tenancy next week but we'll get pretty close yeah we'll get pretty close because probably next week's anime episode is going to be really meaty so yeah we'll we'll, we'll do with because this week's pretty meaty but moving on uh, do you want to lead in as this was your idea? Oh, yeah. So, uh, even though I talk about a lot about how I get grossed out by body body horror and things like that, I'm actually a uh, very avid con- uh, consumer of spooky and horror media. I really, really dig it. I think it's a really cool art form. And one of the things mm-hmm. that really drove me to JoJo when I first started getting into it was all of the horror elements in it and it really yeah i actually thought a lot of the classic horror tropes that it had was like really cool and something that really made it stand out from other anime and manga from from the time that this came out there really was nothing else like it and especially it was a lot of no. it was a lot of western horror tropes mostly yeah it's interesting like because you go because obviously we've gone back and done phantom blood it's like there's just a lot of like western ass vampires it's just dracula yeah uh, japanese has horror. like asian horror is kind of its own style but a lot like mm-hmm. his musical references jo- jo- uh, jojo again takes a lot of its inf- influence from the west and th- there's a lot of great horror elements in it because a lot like that araki is a big uh rock music buff he's also a horror movie buff which is something i really find yeah, interesting about out. him yeah but he he's just a very well-read man i think yeah and you see that in in jojo especially early jojo so much like phantom blood phantom blood is basically just like a vampire hunter manga thing and i Mm -hmm. i it's like that was kind of what it was supposed to be in the beginning really it was just uh oh yeah because that's what was selling at the time yeah it was just jonathan joestar vampire hunter basically and that's probably what the series would have continued as if uh, Araki's taste and consumer's chase didn't really change. Because that's kind of what the yeah. beginning of Battle Tendency is like. Oh, definitely. Like, beginning of Battle Tendency is, like, pretty pretty horrific, like, in that, in that sense of the word. Yeah. 
And between Phantom Blood and a lot of Battle Tendency, we get vampires, zombies, like gross monster men, like all sorts of th everything. Like the like the whole kitchen sink basically of classic horror movie like creatures and stuff. And like that's really cool. And a lot of and all of them like hold on to those uh, tropes of their character archetypes, like vampires get hurt by the sun and zombies are mm -hmm. stupid and this this and that like they're very uh consistent with what they're based off of and it all works so well as one giant tribute to all of that while also adding to the overall story because it's not really about that but it, it's just kind of supplementary material yeah and it, and as we go through like part three is it does not really have much horror elements in it like there's bits and bobs yeah but i wouldn't say it's really the central focus like it was in phantom blood no it's kind of like dashed in between whereas i think four four is more like the slow uh psychological like hitchcock horror well yeah that... see like where i where i put like uh part one and part two closer to like the universal mm -hmm. horror from like the 40s and the 50s uh i put yeah. part four closer to like uh, late 80s early 90s like silence of the lambs kind of thing like mm -hmm. it, it oh, gets yeah. in there oh man gets in there real good but it also takes a lot of elements from 80s and like 80s 90s horror movies in the sense that there's a lot of comedy in there and obviously it's more comedy yeah. than horror but like it mixed the two together so well because well that was super popular at the time yeah damn i never thought of the connection between like silence of the lambs and this like it's it's not a one-to-one -one, but like there's definitely like no but you can definitely see the the uh, influences oh yeah man i i, I actually had, like, but now favorite. that i say that i actually don't know i i don't know if silence lambs came out after diamond is unbreakable came out but like it's not even just silence of the lambs as a particular movie so much it is just like the I ideologies of horror movies coming out around the time were a lot slower a lot more suspenseful and like instead yeah. of what's that no yeah i'm agreeing it's just like that style of horror movie was such so in vogue in that time yeah because like look at our villain instead of getting like superpower vampire dio we just got like a regular mm -hmm. serial killer guy which was again yeah. that's what horror movies were like at the time there wasn't really monsters anymore in in mainstream horror at least it was all it was like serial no. killers and things like that and like that the real monster is man yeah then like that's really neat that that kind of lines up like that Mhm. Mm quick thing diamond is unbreakable uh started the year after silence of the lambs came out so you're right on track oh okay yeah so that makes sense then yeah again that's just one example of that sort of storytelling but uh th mm -hmm. there's definitely a larger shift away from monsters and demons and stuff like well demon all right so like like classical style monsters whereas like sure whereas like in the late 70s we were getting things like the exorcist and stuff like that where we were going more towards religious mm -hmm. horror because yeah just anything really that, that wasn't that this. wasn't really like zombie zombies had their own sort of audience but not so much like vampires and the mm -hmm. wolf man and the frankenstein monster and all that that people got so over that so fast after it had its oh, time yeah. and it kind of works like that Definitely. in jojo too where it's like exploring all these different uh time periods and eras and stuff like that matches up with the uh the pop culture references in it 
Yeah, I'm thinking about it now because like Jojolian style of horror is a lot more like the current trend that we're seeing right now. Kind of like the the lower budget, quiet horror movies that's just like like so, a few people and some horrible things are happening kind of slowly. Like yeah, you, you know, like you know what I'm talking like. Like, the, do you agree, like, the kind of horror movies we've been seeing lately kind of line up with that? Yeah, in in a sense, yeah, definitely. Uh, Jajolian is less of, like, a straight-up horror thing so much as it more is just, like, disturbing. And I think that's yeah. a lot of it, is that it's just, overall, it has a disturbing atmosphere. Everything just feels off. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's kind of like a normal world, but it's slightly cranked to the right. And yeah, because like the traditional the JoJo come through. Yeah, the traditional JoJo universe is definitely weird, but it's not really disturbing. Mm-hmm. No. It's more kooky than anything. Definitely, but definitely. The 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 Skillball Run universe definitely feels like there's something off and wrong. And you yeah, don't really know what it is. Broken. Yeah. But like we, right now, uh, like looking through this, the well, the, this has all been a lead in. Uh, Araki wrote a pamphlet or a book in 2011 called Hirohiko Araki's Bizarre Horror Movie Analysis. And it seems like a pretty girthy book. It's 240 pages, it has 10 parts. Unfortunately, uh, we only have the titles of the movies he talks about in the first two parts and his uh, top 20 list of uh, horror movies. And also, you can buy this book for $5 on Mandarake. And I oh, think that's I might funny. do that at some point. Yeah. Yeah, that's neat. That's a good idea. And just yeah. just on a personal note, is I, I feel I, I agree so much with his top 20 horror movies. He has very good taste. I, yeah, shocker. this is really interesting. Cause... The fact that he put Zombie on there is, is a great, great choice. Do you know Zombie, Jack? No. I'm... Zombie is a uh, Italian-made sequel to Dawn of the Dead. Is that what that is? Or uh-huh. is it is it just Dawn of the Dead? Wait. Oh, damn it. it well, no, because it. it's technically Zombie 2 in other territories, but in some territories it's Zombie. Because it's called Zombie Flesh Eaters because there was no... Zo- it, calling it Zombie 2 makes no sense. Because... Okay. In Italy, it was Zombie 2, but there was no zombie outside of Italy. So it's really convoluted. Okay. Wait, so... So Dawn of the Dead was called Zombie. And then there was a movie called Zombie 2 that has nothing to do with Dawn of the Dead. So when it got brought over to other territories, it was just called Zombie. Weird. Yeah. Damn. Okay, that's that's interesting. That's yeah, really that's interesting. Fun. That's a fun fact for you. But yeah, so he's got Jaws yeah. on here. Like a lot of people don't really talk about Jaws being a horror movie, even though it like super super fucking is. It's actually I've like one of the scariest Jaws. movies I've ever seen, personally. Really? Yeah. yeah Jaws I, is terrifying. Never... Damn, I should definitely watch it sometime. Yeah, it, Alien, my my personal favorite horror movie of all time. He's got on there. Yeah, it's number six. Um, I Am Legend, like that. That's the like the Will Smith one, right? There wasn't an earlier version. 
N not it's definitely the Will Smith one he's talking about, which is definitely a weird choice, but I don't feel too it good about that. It depends on like depends on which ending uh he means cuz there's yeah. two endings. One where the one we got and it was kind of like wishy-washy and the other one where things go bad. And if he means that one, I can kind of see it. But misery at number three is interesting. Yeah, that's, definitely. That's definitely the kind of horror that he was leaning towards, like towards the latter parts of JoJo, where like man's inhumanity to man, like the depths of the human psyche and like what you can dredge up from a brain. And that, oh yeah, look at part makes, six. That makes a lot of like, sense. Like the whole Enrico Pucci <sighs> complex is just like, just yeah crazy yeah like, because it's part six is just mostly just about what happens when a man like poochie just gets all of this power and he has like a singular fucked up mind and like it's it's very neat yeah i've never seen ninth gate i just looked it up and it's like i've, ne I've actually never started. seen that one either but i do appreciate him having i uh Final Destination is definitely not for me. I don't like Final Destination, but mostly because I just don't like, like I don't like gore for gore's sake. But sure, I can, I mean I could watch like again. My my next point was gonna be like how much I like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is incredibly <laughs> gory. But oh yeah, but it's not gore for gore's sake. Okay, okay, I can I get that. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is like one of the like most raw fucking movies you'll ever see in your life. Like, I think I've seen bits and pieces of it. Like, uh, the Final Destination, like the original, is such a a cool concept and premise for a horror film that like I think that still holds up. Like two and three, like three, fucked me up for roller coasters for a long time. Yeah, it's just not my sort of film. <laughs> But Texas Chainsaw Massacre, if you've never seen it, is like really worth watching. Like only the original. Yeah, I, and and I part two. Definitely watch through that. Part um, two. And have you ever heard thing, about? Like, no. What's what's the deal with part two? All right. Well, look up the movie poster real quick, Jack. Just go to your over your internet browser, look it up, and like I'm not already in my internet browser. Okay. Who will survive and what will be left of them? Right. Yeah, like that, that poster. Texas Chainsaw okay. Massacre Part Two. The movie poster is the Breakfast Club movie poster with the cannibal family from the movie. And just to put it bluntly, it's a it's a comedy. It's it's hilarious. Oh God, this wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Huh. So the creator of Texas Chainsaw Massacre basically thought that he couldn't top the first movie, so he made a sequel and he made it up almost like a parody. Because he couldn't think of anything else to do. Good on him. Is it good? Yes, it's excellent. It's really stupid. It has Dennis <laughs> Hopper dual-wielding chainsaws fighting Leatherface. Holy shit. Oh, man. <laughs> Some night we gotta get together and just watch both of those. Yeah, Damn, Dude, it's such a good double feature because it's such a, such a contrast. Oof. I, I want to talk real quick about The Mist. Have you seen The Mist? No. Okay, The Mist is like a, a real good probably one of the best stephen king adapted movies that there is um and my personal like connection to like my personal favorite part about it is the ending the ending of the book because it's like an apocalyptic thing at the end of the book like the like 
the last survivors hear a radio transmission over the things like this this city is safe everything's fine and they drive to it at the end of the mist movie like they're in the car and they run out of gas and their monsters all around them and the there's it's a dad his son and like three strangers the dad and the dad just looks around looks at the other like people in the car and he has this revolver that he's had with him and then it zooms out and you see four muzzle flashes and then he tries to kill himself and the revolver just clicks and then suddenly the mist starts to clear and army vehicles just roll in killing all of the monsters and it's one of the most like destroying film endings i've ever seen yeah that's crazy it's god go watch the mist (laughs) yeah he's got funny games the remake on here and that movie is i don't really necessarily think that's a good movie but it's definitely a, a, a interesting movie yeah i've never seen this like i remember seeing the uh like the ads for it and like what is it good yeah i I don't really think it's good but i think i was i thought it was worth watching because it's really disturbing in certain parts and really unsettling because Mm -hmm. the character the like the like the the creepy dudes in it like seem like super super normal and they do like a really really good job even when they're doing fucked up things they don't act like they're doing fucked up things they just still like act like normal people even though they're doing really disturbing stuff so like it was like well acted and like sort of well executed but the 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 Mm -hmm. premise kind of doesn't really stick the landing but like it's pretty good and then right below that he has hostile and fuck that movie Okay, that's Hustle fair. is disgusting. It is absolutely revolting. And, like, if that's your thing, then you'll love it. But for me, it just... No. I wanted to throw com- up everywhere. I, comple- I completely get you. Like, but to be fair, Hostel ushered in a whole lot of movies that would not have been made if Hostel was not, like, this studio release. And some of those movies are good. Hostel, I don't think, is a good movie. But for what it represents in the horror genre, like I can see why he put it here. Also, oh, I, I agree. I'm not saying that he 13. shouldn't have put it there. I'm just saying that I hate it. Yeah, I, I kind of oh, yeah, hate same. it and everything it stands for. But like, same. I really think it's not a good movie, and I really think that that represents what I do, with the side of horror that I don't like. Because mm-hmm. again, I, I think that I think it's just gore for gore's sake is not fun. Oh, it's just repulsive on that movie. Yeah. Um, other but, one uh, here, Twenty Eight Days Later, really quick, great zombie movie. Like, yeah, I think it's okay. Stellar. You don't like you don't like Twenty Eight Days Later that much. It's not really my type of zombie. Fair, fair. It's it was definitely a new kind of zombie. Twenty Eight Days Later, I think is is like pretty good like it's a solid eight um 28 weeks later that's like a five it's like a five um yeah. real quick any... yeah 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 there's nothing else really on his list that i want to talk about but i do like uh it, the, we can see a breakdown of what was in parts one and two part one was zombie movies and part two is like like redneck master Attack movies in the country <laughs> yeah so 
I do like that he has Zombieland on this list, and I would really have liked to see his thoughts on Zombieland. He probably really liked it. And yeah. He probably is a fan of Bill Murray's, like, oeuvre. Like, yeah. Just... I really like He also has Shaun of the Dead on there, and, they, and Shaun of the Dead Perfect. and Zombieland are both great films. Oh, incredible movies. Yeah. Um, 30 Days of Night. Oh, he has From Dust Till Dawn on here. He does. Yes. <laughs> Oh man, that movie is such great trash. Yeah, on his uh, yeah. Attack of the Country list, he has a Deliverance and talk about disturbing Whew. movies and talk about maybe yeah. what installed my endless fear of rednecks. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, Cabin Fever is kind of like an under the radar one that like not a lot of people. Well, maybe it's not under the radar for people, but like it, it's a good one. It's... Yeah, I question his in- inclusion of the 2005 House of Wax. I didn't think that was a very good remake, but uh, to each yeah, his own. You... I would really love to see what these other parts he's got. Part 3 is Bizarre Murderers. Part 4 is Stephen King. Part 4 is Sci-Fi Horror. Part 6 is Animal Horror. Part 7 is Constructed Horror. Part 8 is Irrational Horror. Part 9 is Devils and Ghosts. And Part 10 on the, bar- on the Border with Horror. And... Fuck, man, oh, this is man. probably never going to get translated in English, but I would just absolutely love to hear his thoughts on all of these things. It's all very interesting. Because it's probably a great I window think... to kind of bring this conversation full circle into what sort of horror elements he took and put into JoJo and his other manga. Yeah. Like, I think I'm going to buy it. Like, I'm going to make a book order on Mondoreki and just, like, slap that in there. It's like yeah. 500 yen. Who cares? That's the impulse buy. And... I'm going to try my best to, like, like get the movie. I think I could get the movie titles because they're probably in Katakana. And then try to cobble together some rough translation with, like, Google Word Lens or something just to see. Because, yeah, man, that would be super Because, like, cool. it's not just JoJo that has all these horror elements. I know we haven't talked about Bao on this show yet. We will get to that eventually. Mm-hmm. But yeah. uh, Bao... When we're done Battle Tendency, I think. Yeah, Bao uh, definitely... Uh, takes a big big out of like sci-fi horror and body horror and all kinds of stuff like mm-hmm. that that like sort of makes its way into jojo but not so much and like bow brings in like no. classic sci-fi horror tropes but also some mon- more modern tropes like it's very interesting we'll we'll definitely get to that but uh yeah we're definitely we definitely had a lot to say but uh that's you know just yeah jojo just brings a lot of stuff like this to mind because it just has all these horror elements in it and it's a very uh it's a great art form that gets a lot of Mm -hmm. bad rep throughout the years like not so much anymore because people kind of get over themselves but like there was a period of time for a long time that horror movies were looked down upon because well the fact that matters is a lot of them are really bad but uh yeah it's gotten better and it's cool and just another another window into why jojo is as good as it is really yeah i hope you've enjoyed this discussion of horror and whenever i get this book we'll revisit this just to just out of interest like yeah because i like prior to this episode i had no idea this book exists and now i like super want to like just dissect it because man araki is a really cool dude really well read and he's probably got a lot to say so with that, With that, I think it's high time we jump all over to Diamond is Unbreakable, the anime, which had a very different sort of episode this week. Interesting. 
it's very it's, uh, interesting. Yeah, it's definitely like nothing that's ever happened in this in the Day of Productions JoJo anime yet, and it was mm-hmm. pretty cool. It, but it might have caught a lot of people off guard, because to be honest, it kind of caught me a little off guard. Yeah, I had no idea this was coming because I thought uh, Stray Cat was a two-parter. I guess we forgot that that cliffhanger is resolved. Well, that whatever, that's on us. But Hayato yeah. got out of the attic. Who cares? Because um, this episode is called July 15th, Thursday, Part 1. And to explain this, we kind of have to talk about like the back end of Diamond is Unbreakable before the last uh, final, final couple battles. Because it's three like stand of the week fights that are not interconnected at all and they really don't impact the plot that much correct me if i'm wrong like yeah i don't think so they kind of just happen like there's stand users that um crow man just throws at team joge like to stop him stop them from getting at his son yeah i can understand if somebody looked at these story arcs and called them padding i could understand it a little bit. I can like Iraqi wanted some time between it wanted some time for the story to breathe. I get that. But Yeah, no, that's fine. Here, I don't really think they're yeah. padding because I think they're cool, but I can understand someone who's going into this for the first time could see them as sort of padding and not really very fun. Yeah. So those three arcs were Enigma Boy, Cheap Trick, and Superfly. Taken on their own, they're fine. They're like just your regular stand of the week jojo fight uh cheap trick is pretty cool enigma boy is weird superfly is like my favorite of the three but not david production was like all right guys we have like two major fights at the end of this that we need to like throw all the money at and these random three fights what can we do and what they did was establish a timeline that all three of these fights happen on the same day because they like the main the the main protagonists are completely different for all three like josuke and okuyasu are over fighting superfly and then rohan is dealing with cheap trick but and then oh yeah uh josuke comes back to deal with uh enigma boy at like the, i guess they're gonna do that at the end of the day that's gonna be interesting like josuke comes home from dealing with superfly and then he has to deal with enigma boy <laughs> What a yeah. shitty Yeah, was there any precedent in the manga for this? Like, did the manga stress that they all took place at the same time? No. Like... So this is, like, I, almost like David Productions kind of fucking with the story a little bit. Yeah, they kind of did this before when they switched up Cinderella um, to give uh, Sheer Heart Attack, like, better flow. Oh, but yeah. In ter- but, like, in terms of actual, uh, like... Uh, cutting apart the story and putting it back together. This is a first, and I think they did it pretty well. What do you think? I'm into it. In fact, I'm, like, really into it. I think it was definitely the best way to go about this because they they, they want to get all the story bits in there, but you, everybody has to understand that to get this into the 39 episodes they wanted to do, there was going to be some cuts, and we all knew this from the beginning. And the fact that there was as few changes and cuts as there were is, like, amazing. Mm-hmm. So, are, these, quick, quick thing. These three chapters plus some Kira bits, there's 20 chapters here. 
and if they can squeeze that into two or three episodes bless them oh yeah because the fact of the matter is is that we got eight episodes left yeah we got eight episodes left and because there's yeah, a we lot of things that's gonna happen 39 yeah because i'm looking at the chapter list right now because we have because it's transmission tower enigma boy cheap trick my dad is not my dad and then another one bites the dust for 10 parts and then unbreakable crazy diamond uh nine and then there's like a couple more um ancillary like uh epilogue chapters yeah because i imagine the final battle will probably end up being three three episodes yeah final battle three episodes um uh another one bites the dust maybe three maybe two depends and then like maybe one or two wrap-ups and that then we're at the end folks yeah it's been a hell of a ride but it, it came and went pretty fast yeah so it's pretty hard to like do a blow by blow like we usually do of the episodes since they're, it's kind of intercut. So it's kind of intercut, do... and there really wasn't all that much plot per se. It was more just For like the things happening. Yeah, because the main one is uh, Superfly, and we'll get to that in a sec. But we see uh, Rohan um, is getting his house redone because Josuke set it on fire, um, and we just see this architect man come to his door and we know he's no good. And that's all we see of that story arc for right now. And then we see, uh, this other guy. <laughs> First we see like Koichi going about his business and we see this, this man in the background and he's got a very, very bad look about him and he's in a taxi cab and we just see Koichi go by and like some menacing music. And then we see him again later, uh, in, Josuke's house, as Josuke's mom is uh, going to the fridge and yelling at Josuke, who's not here for like just taking a bite out of her favorite like uh, custard thing, biscuit, whatever yeah. it is, custard bun, custard bun, and n- not eating the rest. And and the camera backs out, and we see this man again, just sitting in the dark in Josuke's kitchen, and that's creepy. And we're gonna come back to him, I think, next week. But the main meat of this episode was Superfly. And how does this episode begin, Andrew? How does this story begin? Because it's fucking weird. It's... Uh. <laughs> so they find these... Uh, they find the binoculars, right? Yeah, they find these binocs. <laughs> yeah, like... and is like, nah, they're kind of gross. I don't... I don't... <laughs> I don't want to pick these up. These are dirty binocs. <laughs> yeah, then it just turns out it's just Mikataka. He's just binoculars for some reason. <laughs> He's just binoculars. He's like, I'm not dirty. I'm Mikataka. <laughs> yeah. Uh, bless and Okiasu boy, again is just like, so you're really not an alien, right? You're a stand user, right? <laughs> you're a stand user. I yeah, know this... it. <laughs> yeah, this is for the audience, and I love it. It's like, Come on, let's settle this once and for all. You're just a stand user pretending to be an alien, right? Right? <laughs> it's, Spoiler, it's really... you never find out. It's never oh, confirmed. Oh, you never find out. I think he's an alien. I don't know what Andrew thinks about it. but We went I over this. I think he's a stand user. You think he's an alien. Oh, we had this yeah, argument split... when that happened. Right. Yeah. It, it split down the middle. But yeah. 
he was a, he was Binox because he wanted to someone to pick him up. Well, he wanted uh, Okiyasu and Josuke to pick him up because he knew that they come to school back to school that way. Um, to look at this transmission tower, like this power like power line tower. Like, is there any better way to call that, or is it just like no? It just it looks like a cell phone tower or some sort of radio yeah. tower. Yeah, and there's a man living in there. <laughs> there sure is. Who uh and. He's a yeah. man who just looks like uh, Rocky saw uh, uh, our friend Luigi of of the Mario Brothers oh my, and said, "Oh my God, he's Luigi!" He said, "I'm gonna make Luigi." <laughs> Luigi, I hate this. I hate this. He's a Luigi Tower man. You're going to have to oh. forgive me for not remembering his name, because I just never remember his name. What's his name? Oh, Jack? his name doesn't matter. It's said once, and it's after they, like, beat the shit out of him. Yeah, so this it's... guy is just incredibly for kind of forgettable, other than one of his special abilities, which I will never forget about, because it is gross. But, um, yeah, so he is Luigi, and he lives in this tower. And Josuke and Okiasu were and... very confused. Yeah, and... He doesn't want them to come in the tower because it's dangerous. And we see all of his self-sufficient shit in this tower. Like, he poops in a toilet and it's sprayed on his plants down, like, below the tower. He catches animals. He can navigate the tower with ease, presumably because this tower is his stand. And his stand is super fly. Um, but after he says, don't come in here, it's dangerous, uh, Okiyasu and Josuke see... Uh, oh, what's that? Oh, it's Crow Man in his picture. Just fall. He fell out of. I just looked this guy's name up. It's Toyohira. Yes, Toyohira. He, He's Toyohira. very forgettable. Sorry, incredibly forgettable. Cause that's a mask on his face. Don't forget, like that's not his face. Um. And Josuke runs in to grab Crow Man, and now he's fallen into uh, tower tower guy's trap. Tower guy. Um, because Superfly's stand power, once you're within its zone, you cannot leave without becoming part of the tower, which Josuke finds out in a really cool, like, animation sense. Like, half of his body just turns into, like, metal and bolts, and it's super cool. Like, ugh, what'd you, th- what'd you think of that? Because that was, god, I loved it. It is weird. It's definitely weird. Yeah, we're we're in it for the weird right now. Um, so Josuke is now trapped, and Toyo Hero Tower Man Tower Hero is just like, "All right, see you guys later. I've been stuck in here for a long time. I'm gonna go watch TV. <laughs> Don't tell me how Lost ends. See you later." <laughs> nice timely um, reference, Jack. Good, good, good one. Yeah, it's like a reverse time reference because this is like in the '90s. What? A, who cares? It doesn't make sense uh, in any time period. You. <laughs> what? Okay. If he got in the tower in two thousand like five, Lost would have been in its like first season. Okay. And... Then then it would have been relevant, but it is not relevant. But go on. Okay. Okay. Um. And Okiyasu's freaking out. Mikataka's like, "How can I help? How can I help?" Ah. And Okiyasu's like, "Just no. You can't do anything." Um. And Tower Man's getting away, like, on this one wire 
he has and it's just and it's like i hope you like towers because now you're stuck in one um <laughs> when it turns out that the wire he's been traveling like grasping along in is just mikataka <laughs> it's yeah. just like it's super cool um oh i forgot forgot to mention like the coolest part of superfly that you can't beat it like you can't like because josuke and okuyasu like on opposite sides try to just like punch it down because they can because their ghosts are made of punches and yeah i mean this is an example of one of those uh really simple but really powerful stands except it's just like a different sort of powerful yeah we we're talking about that before, like last week it's just like the most powerful stands are just like the ones that have the simplest like function and this one if you, any damage like done to it is reflected back and yeah after like superfly definitely punches, takes a little bit of explaining but once it definitely. once it makes sense it's it's very simple oh yeah it's just a tower you can't leave unless someone uh comes in first and it will punch back at you if you punch it and after their punch barrage uh josuke and okuyasu try to defend uh josuke is fine okuyasu gets like his side caved in because the hand is a big boy who loves to punch um so he's bleeding out and josuke can't leave to heal him when mikitaka swings in it's just like yo guys i'm here to help um and kind of like is going to swing back tower man into superfly i th like that's that's what he was attempting to do um tower man tries to cut mikataka but ho 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 he was he was actually cutting the real wire instead of the wire mikataka was pretending to be it kind of it kind of gets screwy here it's fine it's whatever um and he thinks that uh mikataka thinks like haha i played a trick on you but no because tower man cut uh the like the wire that's part of superfly Superfly then deals damage back at Mikataka because Tower Man knows how to aim this thing, so it automatic it, it, he can fling himself however he wants at the tower and just do whatever. And you want to talk so about how he cut the wire though? Where he got the tools to cut the wire? All right, you want to talk about his weird callous hands, right? Yes, right. I want to talk about his weird callous hands. I don't like them. <laughs> talk about his weird callous hands. <laughs> Who, like, what possessed Araki to think of this? Like, <laughs> uh, maybe, like, okay, you know how in Japan they have, like, those processions with those wooden, uh, like, big wooden, like, uh, things you put, they put on their shoulders and they're carried by a lot of people? Um, people who do that a lot have just a lump on their shoulder. Like, just a big old lump. I would send you pictures, but they would just really gross you out. Um, yeah so maybe he like thought about that and was like oh what if that was on a hand because after years of living in this tower tower man has big old calluses on his hands like the size of like big old golf balls and from under one of them he pulls out a knife and cuts the cable so it would wound mikataka there his gross callous hands it's disgusting Ugh mm-hmm um <laughs> so and josuke is able to get out because mikataka's in there 
and then where does the episode cut off there where they still have like the bulk of the fighting to do I th- right yeah okay so it just cuts off there it's not really a clean cut but that that's after this cuts that's when we see enigma boy um in josuke's kitchen and then i don't know it's we've already seen that and then we see an empty kitchen with the fridge open where josuke's mom was and it's very ominous and that's going to probably be wrapped up at the end of the next episode this is definitely going to be a three-parter i feel because it, it, it's better than it's trying like to do six... a lot so like i can yeah. definitely see this being a three-parter yeah and if it's messy i can kind of forgive it but it, it'll be fine yeah two but... parts would definitely not be enough time i think nah. but that uh that about does it we're a little bit over but we talked about a lot of good stuff lot of spooky stuff yeah this has been the what a beautiful podcast halloween special thing halloween edition yeah very scared i hope you all uh, got spooked by our conversation about horror movies which got really ranty but that's how the show (laughs) always goes so yeah there it is uh, hope you go to itunes and google play give us a good good nice good review because we're nice boys we like to do nice content uh, yeah thank you thank you thank you for review. listening um talk to us on twitter that tw- the twitter account's been quiet andy's just been putting out good content over there it's like no my one's... my tweets are hot fucking fire and you they're, know you want to see them the you so... could cook pizza on these tweets like... <laughs> you could cook a pizza exactly jack that's how good these tweets are. So follow uh, us at JoJo underscore cast so you too could be a part of this select group of people that get to see the things that I tweet through that account. <laughs> Gets to see the pizza made. All right, everybody. <laughs> yeah, so all right, guys. Thank podcast. you so much again. We'll see you next week. See you all next time. Bye.